A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online so any small business can make a change. We need a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. Start different at GoDaddy.com. If you've recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today. This is an ode to Napa cabbage. Of all the cabbages on all the cabbage farms, only you have the crisp crunch worthy of our Bibigo Korean dumplings. No other cabbage would do, because no other cabbage tastes like you. We love you, Napa cabbage. Just don't tell Green Onion. Napa cabbage, one of many obsessively crafted ingredients in every hearty, flavorful Korean dumpling from Bibigo. Go handcrafted. Go Bibigo. Authentic Korean dumplings now in the freezer aisle. Welcome to the first episode of Confessions of a Marketer. Mark Reed Edwards is my name. Today we're talking with brand guru and truth teller Tony Temple. In the weeks ahead, we'll cover the evolution of PR and a discussion with the co-founder of Ink House, Meg O'Leary. We'll look at tone of voice with Ben Afia. I'll try to get a view into sales from the front line. Plus, we'll get a look into the expectations of CMOs all in the weeks to come here on Confessions of a Marketer. Today, though, we're going to look at B2B. Is it really a thing still or have we gotten beyond it? Well, my guest today, Tony Temple, has coined a phrase, you and me, not B2B. I could talk with Tony about pretty much anything, but I have to tell you, I couldn't think of a better way to start off this podcast than talking B2B with this man. That's because Tony Temple is unforgettable. If you've ever met him, you'll remember him. He owns every room he's in and does it in a joyful way. I worked with him a while ago at Sophos and we had a lot of fun, but we also got some really important work done together. A native Liverpudlian, before Sophos, Tony was a creative director for firms like Mason Zimbler, Clever Stuff, and SP7, a real agency creature, working with firms like Google on thorny brand and creative challenges. But after that distinguished career on the agency side, he gave the corporate world a try, first with Sophos, then more recently he was head of brand development and creative direction at Intralinks in New York City, where he rebranded the company and found every good pub in New York City that showed rugby. Now he's out on his own and back in the UK, has a website, tonytemple.co. It's my pleasure to have him here on this, the first episode of Confessions of a Marketer. So let's get to our discussion. So Tony, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. So you and me not B2B kind of seems to go against the grain, which anyone who knows you wouldn't be surprised. So what gives? Is B2B dead? Um, I reckon in reality, B2B has been dead for about 20 years, just that nobody said anything. <laughs> um, it, and I think that's because there are a lot of people who make a living out of B2B marketing. There are B2B marketing agencies who specialize in B2B and they want to perpetuate that. And, and when I say it's dead, what I mean is it isn't. <laughs> so that's right. <laughs> the reality is in B2C or retail, there are few people involved in the sales cycle. So if I want to buy a pair of shoes, I go to a guy who's selling shoes. 
that's me and the guy selling the shoes. And in the background is the guy who makes the shoes. And that's kind of it. It's a very short chain. Whereas in a, in a business-to-business transaction, there could be upwards of 20, 30, 40, 50 people at all levels of seniority throughout the business and with, with different agendas to actually focus and make that decision. So, yeah, it's more complex. But if you speak in that corporate voice, if you consider this as one organization speaking to another, you automatically drop into that passive tone of voice. Uh, you just become gray like everybody else. And that really is, is, is what makes the difference. I think now you and me, not B2B, is the sort of philosophy that B2B companies need to adopt. You need to be more human because even in a B2B scenario, it's people dealing with people, people by people. People are affected by emotions primarily. And those are the things that you've got to focus on instead of this stiff problem, pain, solve, discussion, um, and then myriad personas and different messages for each of them, which really just serves to confuse. So really, you've got to strip it back, get more human and think about the person, the other side of the screen. It's not a, a building talking to another building. <laughs> That's kind of what I mean by you and me not B2B. It's people talking to people. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly when you think about the connected world we live in. And it's a connected world, not, not office block or town or, or city or nation. It's global. You and I both have friends all over the world. And we're connected by LinkedIn. We're connected by Facebook, by Instagram, by Twitter. You know, this is the world we live in. It's human. It's connected. These people network everything. So we've got to get real and start acting like humans. So, okay, let's take it to the next step. How can a typical impersonal, intangible technology business or something like that make itself more approachable? How can it do that? That's an interesting question. Uh, and I think it starts in product marketing. Hmm. Because most B2B companies do have a product marketing department. And those are the guys that are usually tasked with um, the job of coming up with the corporate messaging for the business uh, because they know most about the product and they know most about the, the, the pains of, and the problems they're trying to solve. So that's why it kind of sits there, which in, in some part makes sense. But the problem is they know about the product and they know about the problems. But do they put anything through the so what filter or do they just want to wear everything on a first date just in case? I think it's the latter. They want to tell you about every single aspect. Speeds and feeds. Absolutely. In minute detail. And I just want to know, is it going to do the thing I want it to do and hurry up because I'm busy? <laughs> right. Exactly. So it starts there. Um, and, you know. The thing about telling everybody everything all the time is that nobody listens. So you just got to really, really think about what you're doing while you're in business. I mean, most companies uh, go into business to be better than the people they used to work for, or um, they have an idea to make things in a different way that is an improvement on what exists. And 
that's where it all starts. But as as companies grow and, you know, compliance issues come in and recruitment happens and all that sort of stuff, that sort of stuff tends to get lost. And I think companies really need to keep going back to what they're about, why they're in business, because they're actually in business to improve people's lives in some way. That's the way they get value. So if they go back to that and think about the why and the recipient and the user, I think you're going to be in a better place to begin with. So what's the secret to success here? How, how should uh, you know, a company approach this issue? And, and does it really come down to what Steve Jobs said in that famous presentation about marketing, that you know, marketing is about values? Yes, it does, really. Because as I said just now, I mean, everything is about belief. If you don't believe in what you're doing, nobody's going to believe you. So if you believe you can make uh, a spanner better than everybody else by changing the grip on the handle, then do that and tell them about that. Don't tell them about every other component in the spanner. Just tell them about the bit that you do that makes it better for them. Humanize it. Communicate with them in a human way, with candor, with honesty, and with as few words as possible. And so it's, it's kind of figuring out what to leave out rather than what to put in, right? Absolutely. And then stay on message and stay on brand. Uh, because though, literally every company has only two things. It's thing, whatever that is, and it's brand. That's it. Everything else you can buy or you can contract it in or farm out. So you've really got to understand those two things. Right. COVID-19 patients need your help. If you've fully recovered from COVID-19 or unknowingly been exposed to it, you may have the antibodies that could help COVID-19 patients recover. Donate blood and receive testing for COVID-19 antibodies. Visit Vitalant.org today to schedule an appointment to donate blood. That's V-I-T-A-L-A-N-T dot Help save lives and schedule your appointment at Vitalant.org. You could help save lives. So you've, you've done this a couple of times, a few times. Yeah. And, and uh, what's the secret to success? I mean, how do you, as, as a kind of lone voice in the wilderness, how do you enlist senior management? How do you enlist the frontline employees, the kind of regional marketers? How do, you, how do you get those people on board? It's all about having the conversation in the first place, and it's all about identifying the issue that you have. If sales are sliding, if your salespeople are telling you, we've got a problem, nobody knows who we are. These are the common problems that bubble up within corporations. Once you start to listen to those conversations, then you realize you've got a problem, and then you have to have somebody in to help you. If you go to a design agency, they'll give you a, a new color and a new font, and, and that'll be great for them. Will it be great for you? I don't know. I think when you're actually trying to move the dial, you have to look at your brand. You have to really think about who you are, what you are, and what you're doing. That means you have to talk to the people within the business because the business is actually made up. It's, it's, it's an organism made up of lots of people that then come together to make it be, to make the thing. So you have to speak to them because they've all they've all got a different, slightly different take on it. But if you can get some sort of consensus on why your thing is great and why you do it and who you do it for, then you're in a good place. Only when you listen to the people right down at the bottom will you get the people 
listening right at the top and everywhere in between. So it's a broad conversation you have to have. So it's kind of top down and bottom up at the same time. Absolutely. You, I mean, you can't, you can't just apply a brand. It's not a badge. It's what the collective mean, represent and believe. And it only works if you do that. If you do that, you'll get the buy-in of the people, you'll get enthusiasm, you'll get uh, corporate messaging that actually means something that people can use when they're at a dinner party or at a barbecue. You know, you'll get one voice, you'll get a company that's connected, and those are the companies that succeed. So what companies in the B2B area actually do this well? Almost none of them. <laughs> um, I knew I knew the answer to that somehow, <laughs> and I, I, it, it's it's changing. It's changing, but it, it's changing at, at glacial pace. Uh, people are, are are starting to realize. I mean, there, there, I mean, one company that I would actually put up there is Accenture. They, I mean, they do a, a reasonably good job actually, but then they're a seventy billion dollar organization, so they can afford to do it. Uh, unlike a lot of other B2B companies who have very deep pockets and short arms. What's interesting about them is they're a services company. They're a people company. So it's really yeah. in their interest to to brand themselves in, in that way. It is. I don't think they do a terrific job of that, but I think they do take a slightly more consumerist view in their marketing, which is good. They do tend to be consistent. They do tend to stand behind a single-minded proposition rather than just, throwing a different proposition out every week, right. uh, which is, of course, death, because that you might as well just roll the money up and throw it into a ball and throw it out the window, because that's how much use that is. What's interesting, you can look at a, a consumer powerhouse like Apple, yeah, and they struggle with B2B because it's not a consumer business. And you know they, they've made inroads into enterprise and, and B2B, but it's not something that comes naturally to them. This is true, and they're, they're, the corporate end of their business is barely visible, largely. But then you've got, in, in the consumer sector, you've got companies like Virgin. I really like those guys because right. they're in everything, they're in, in lots of things where you don't expect to see creative marketing, like in finance, in banking, in money, in insurance, in broadband, in mobile telephony they're in holidays in airplanes they're, they're they're everywhere but one thing they do is they stick to the two words that define their brand and those two words i think are revolutionary and entertaining and literally every piece of work or brand presence or marketing tool that you see come out of that organization regardless of whether it's for finance or for phones or for broadband or whatever, you'll find everything resonates with revolutionary and entertaining. They redefine those spaces and they entertain in the process. That's that's the path you would want a company to go down is to come up with a couplet of words, two words that under which everything falls. Yeah, because literally two words everybody can understand, believe, uh, and and buy into and be measured by, you know, when you're doing something at Virgin, doesn't matter what it is. If you're in front of the house in a sales situation, am I being revolutionary and entertaining? Right. If I am, I'm good. 
If I'm not, I'm doing something wrong. Most people will have uh, um, traveled on a Virgin plane, and you know it's pretty pretty good. It's, uh, particularly the long haul stuff is is uh, seldom a chore. You've got cheerful people doing doing the same job as everybody else in Delta and United and BA and what have you, but it's just refreshing that they, they keep that energy alive yeah. and that's by being true to the brand so it goes back to that you know there's a cadence really you've got to start with your brand get that right understand what you're, you're all about and why and what your belief is then you take that forward into the the way that brand looks and the visual personality then you think about what you want to say that's your messaging and you've got to keep that concise and tight and human and then you've got to think about how you say it. Then you, that brings your tone of voice into play. Once you've got all those in play, your marketing kind of almost takes care of itself because you've got so much color and, and, and texture guiding the thinking. So if you then take that and brief an agency with all of that good stuff, you're on the way to doing something that is actually going to start to move the needle. So what, what, what would you say to uh, uh, a CMO or a CEO uh, coming to you for advice uh, on a, a kind of a dull company that maybe is doing okay financially, maybe has decent sales, but just doesn't feel very alive? What, what's, the, what's the first piece of advice you would give that company? I'd say that you really need to look at all of the things in the marketing wheelhouse, and they are the things I've just mentioned, brand, tone of voice, messaging, not necessarily in order, but you know, it, it, you've got to look at all of those things as a whole and roll them out in a sensible manner. If your salespeople are saying, we've got no visibility, then that's a good place to start. So then you look at your brand and you think, well, okay, how do we look? Are we relevant in the marketplace? Once you've done that, you then examine, do we actually understand what we're trying to be? Or are we just being me too? And if we're being me too, what separates us? Once you've done that, then you start to figure out how you then bring your brand back into your organization so that everybody gets it. Everybody's aligned behind it and everybody believes it. Once you've done that, you start to work on your messaging. Then you get your personality in order with your, your, your tone of voice. So it's, it's about thinking about the process. Don't think about must do more advertising, must, must do, get more uh, SEO involved, pay-per-click. Let's not get look, looking at the tactics. Think about it in a more holistic sense because it matters in that sense. You're not going to get traction by just doing a thing over here and a thing over there. Well, this has been wonderful, Tony. You and me, not B2B. I think it's a philosophy that every B2B company should emulate. And uh, you can learn more about Tony at TonyTemple.co. Tony, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We're just getting started. Next time on Confessions of a Marketer, we talk with Meg O'Leary, founder of Ink House, one of the fastest growing and best PR agencies in the U.S., We'll talk to her about how PR has evolved since she and Beth Monahan founded Inkhouse 10 years ago. Plus, we'll get a view into Meg's new role. She's CMO of a security startup now. And down the road a bit, we'll have a discussion with the great Ben Afia about tone of voice. Well, I want to thank you for being with us this week. We'll soon be available on iTunes, but you'll continue to find us on SoundCloud. 
you have any feedback, visit us at confessionsofamarketer.com or email us at confessionsof at icloud.com. This episode of Confessions of a Marketer was written, produced, and edited by yours truly. The theme music was written by T. Jordan of A-Class Productions. Confessions of a Marketer is a trademark of Reed Edwards Global Inc., and this episode is copyright 2017. I'm Mark Reed Edwards. See you next time. never tried to eyeball six feet as often as you do now. You wear a mask, you wash your hands, and you've stayed within the walls of your apartment for more hours than you care to add up. But unless you live in a smoke-free building, you're not exactly home free. Secondhand smoke drifting through the cracks in walls or sink drains carries toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. And right now, lung health is key. Go to tobaccofreeca.com to learn how to stay safe.